Hi, everyone, and welcome to Essential Leadership Skills, the podcast with Barb Monson and Glenn Daniels. Today's guest is Rayanne Stegman. In addition to being a thought leader and working on her doctorate in organizational leadership and innovation, she is also a training manager for a software company. She truly believes in being a holistic leader and practicing what she preaches, which is why she has a couple of fitness certifications as. We are excited to share her knowledge with you in this episode of the Essential Leadership Skills, the podcast. This is a Touchstone Publishers presentation, your trusted source of leadership knowledge. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Say it back. Everybody say good morning. Good morning, Glenn. <laughs> I know a lot of people might be thinking, wait a minute, it's afternoon. You shouldn't say good morning. Morning time, as I always say, is the most powerful time of morning, powerful time for energy. So that's good morning. Hey, I got to tell you something about our guest today. This is a person that I met in an impromptu thing that I just decided to walk into the room and fill in. If it wasn't for her input, might have sunk. So this is for sure a thought leader that we want to pay attention to and learn from as much as possible. As you heard, she's worked on her doctorates, but yet she's got certificates in fitness. She's managing a software, not managing, but working with a software company, doing training and developing. Rihanna, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Yes. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Barb. It's so wonderful to get in a room and get to talk about some of these leadership skills. I always say it's Raina, like ray of sunshine, not rain yep. on your parade. So I could be like, let me introduce myself and also teach you how to spell my name and how to say it in one fell quippy <laughs> little yep. thing. And I should know how to say it, shouldn't I? Ray, Raina. <laughs> yep. Ray, not, I should. Okay. Yep. Fantastic. Fantastic. But yes, yes. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, it's a great description. I like the way yeah. you set that up. I like the way you set that up too. So, <laughs> Raina, if you can do us just a little bit of favor to help us get to know things a little bit better, what is the one thing about you that most people just don't, it's not going to be in your schoolwork or your writings or your books, or they just don't know about you? Something that says, okay, this is me. This is me. I, I always say it's all about the tone because I have a lot of skills in switching, switching the tone around, but keeping the words. You can make something either a really good thing or a really bad thing, just depending on how you say it. And depending on which Insta feed or which blog you're looking at, you might not realize that there's a second half of my personality. And sometimes I'm not all about just being calm and collected and I'm running around because I'm lost and I'm screaming into the ether. The one thing you won't know about me is that you can't know everything about me from one one media, one venue. In other words, we got to look at all six of them to learn about you. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. But you know what? We all wear different hats and different masks, right? So my business profession and personality is a little different than my partying on the weekends personality. And I think talking about holistic leadership, which is what you and I talked about, Glenn, when we met at that conference, it, the best way to be a leader is to actually know all of those different personalities and those little boxes that people feel that they have to keep separate. And when you start letting people have a little show and tell items from each of their boxes, that's when you really get, you get to know the whole person and you can then make a leadership plan for them or figure out how you're going to work best together. So I love what you said about tone. You could say the same sentence two different ways and it could come across very differently. So how do you incorporate that in your leadership and organizational development skills? It's because it's, I think of body language. So much of what we communicate is body language, but do you think that tone also communicates more than the actual words? 
I definitely do. I think tone over words every day of the week. I have seen people miss misspell words or you you know let spell check go in there and they accidentally use the wrong word but it doesn't matter because you still know what they are trying to say and that it does come across and you do miss out on some of that when you know you're fully remote you're looking at just text and so as a leader one way to loop tone back into that conversation is knowing when something can't be an email or a Slack message, you know, it, and watch your words. Because if I Slack you and say, we need to talk, it doesn't matter that those three words are very simple, easy words, but you put them together and the automatic tone on the other side is, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> so a better way of saying it and being mindful of the fact that tone doesn't always translate is, hey, I, we, I found something wrong with project X, Y, and Z. Can we get together so we can discuss it together or something? You can mm -hmm. say the same thing. We need to talk, but you can be more mindful about how you're saying it to the person on the other side. I find that kind of interesting. Just real quick, super quick story on a flight one day, and I'm nerdy about these things. When the captain came on the airplane and said, ladies and gentlemen, just those three words usually mean look at the left-hand side of the airplane, look at this and that. And I was mad at her. She made me mad before I even got my seat. So I wasn't going to listen to her. <laughs> but her tone of voice, ladies and gentlemen, just those three words, put a lot of angst and fear into me immediately because I knew something was seriously wrong. Just the way she said it, just the tone of voice. But I want to ask you about this ideal of our tone of voice sometimes gets betrayed because we have negative a negative bias. Can you talk about how that affects people? I mean, give us a little detail on that. For sure. I always try to remind people of the negativity bias. So human brains, we are structured through whatever reason, what, however we ended up here, but our brains are structured to focus more on the negative than the positive. So if you hear something, if you hear some criticism, if someone says, hey, you didn't do a great job on the executive summary on our homework assignment, and then I go on to say 17 really good things that they did do, the person is going to fixate on that negative feedback and sometimes they completely bypass and don't ingrain any of the positive things. They grab onto the negative and your brain can also grab onto that negative thought and then expand on it. How many times have we gotten into an argument and then we realize we've said something stupid, we walk away and an hour later we think of the best comeback and why didn't I think of that comeback an hour ago? What was I doing? And then so now two negative thoughts have happened and you just spiral, right? And it keeps you up that night because you just cannot let it go that you said something silly and then you had the perfect answer an hour later. And so that negativity bias really affects us. And if we've had events in the past that have solidified that negative spiral, you might not realize it, but you as a manager or leader might be saying like, hey, let's talk about your annual review. And that right there can cause your employee to spiral all the way down into who knows where, because they have that bias and they've had certain things that affect their way of thinking. So as a leader, you have to be mindful. And as a person who might spiral in a direction, you have to be mindful. The best way that I taught myself how to avoid those downward spirals was let's balance it out with logic. Let's think through whatever negative situation I'm thinking we went through and say, okay, 
I didn't get the job that I wanted, but logically speaking, why didn't I get the job I wanted? Oh, there are 300 other applicants. There were people who had more experience than me. There were all things that are true, but they're not negatives on me. Reframing it into a more positive or at least a more logical direction. It makes me think about filmmaking. So I always tell my husband, I never want to know how films are made or what all the secrets are because it would ruin watching any movie. So from your perspective, you have training and you have the filmmaking view of how communication takes place. I'm guessing you recognize things that the average layperson like myself would not. So how do you incorporate that just in organizational development, because certainly leaders need to be good communicators and they need to be effective and they need to be aware of the negativity bias. But you just said something a moment ago that made me think about employee responsibility as well. If I just put an employee hat on, I don't want everyone tiptoeing around me. And I also want to be aware of how to receive things and maybe filter it appropriately. Do you train on both? Oh, for sure. So it goes back to that confidence and self-love. I want people to feel comfortable in who they are. And so I teach them how to bring that confidence, how to bring that power, but also how to execute being who you want to be. And you're responsible. You're responsible for your own actions. Trauma, trauma is a great way to understand how you ended up being who you are, but it is not an excuse for your actions you have a responsibility to address what's happened and to keep that, to keep those separate so you're not making someone else's day worse or you're not going through and being a terrible leader or micromanager. You have to be able to find a way to separate some of your idiosyncrasies from the outside world and the people that need you to be a little bit less micromanager or a little bit less critical. So it is a two-way street, Barb. Like you said, it's on the employer, it's on the employee, it's on the manager, it's on everyone. And really, we just kind of need to work together to be kinder, nicer, more open. So we build a culture, we build an entire society where it's okay to have longer conversations or have to talk about how you have responsibilities and I also have those responsibilities. You said something there that I call them writable moments. We like to tweet things, but the writable moments where I'll make a note of it. And I'd like to just dive into that just a little bit because there's a lot of folks who that may have passed by, but they still need to hear it again. Trauma happens, but it's not an excuse for how you behave to it or how you respond to it. What are you saying? Okay, things go wrong. And we don't have control over them, but it does make it an excuse. When you look at just that, does that make people a better leader or does that make people kind of crawl up and want to hide? It depends on how they take on a challenge. I think it has potential to make better leaders, but it also has potential to make people crawl in and stay in their safe space and safe place rather than coming out to an area where things are more uncomfortable. And I think there's a fine distinction between you, your actions, when you've had a trauma, like I said, it's a way to describe and figure out how you got where you are, but it's no excuse. And I think part of that is owning up to it. So let's say I, I did, I was an angry person when I was younger. I, my, my main emotions were angry and sad. And so I just used the angry to propel myself. And I did a lot of things out of spite. I was like, I'm going to be a straight A student and be amazing because 
I'm angry at someone and this is how I'm going to prove to them that I'm something, I'm worthwhile, whatever you have, whatever have you. And I'm using my trauma to make some actions. And while the motivation isn't the perfect thing, they're my actions, but it's okay for me to use my anger in that way. But what it wouldn't be okay to do is just lash out at people and say, you know what, I have your temper tantrum or have your angry outburst. But realize that people don't have to forgive you instantly what you've done, the action, you've done the harm. And it's your job to start trying to work on yourself and be better. And I hope people give you the kindness and space that, you know, you need sometimes. But you also have to be responsible for the actions that you've done in your positive times and your negative times. Do you see, excuse me, you choked me up right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, Barb, I have that effect on people. I, I told you, I'm passionate. Do you see maybe in a post-pandemic environment, in a leadership environment, that there is less resistance to some of this messaging and less resistance to considering oneself as a holistic leader? And just because the way we are working is different and people had to start bringing their whole selves to work wherever they're working, not even going to work. But do you see the message being received differently now? I think we're in a step in the right direction. Yes, the pandemic was absolutely awful, turned the world upside down. We changed, but we also in that time had Gen Z joining our workforce. We've, we had a ton of changes all at once. And so we are moving in a direction where holistic leadership is going to be rewarded because employees don't have to put up with bad managers, bad companies. There's no reason for them to. And so as we're transitioning, you have the great recession or resignation, you have all of these things. And so if you want to keep employees and you want to keep growing and you want to keep expanding as a business, nonprofit, corporation, whatever have you, you have to understand that the world is changing and we're just at the beginning steps of it. But this is an easy mostly pain-free way to start moving in a better, kinder direction as a whole. That's a good thought because we did go through that horrible two and a half years, but that did accelerate a lot of changing. If you had to give a message to a leader to say, listen, you got to be holistic about it. What's one, two, three, or 5,000 things you, I'm just kidding, one, two, or three things that you would tell them to say, okay, think about being holistic in this way. Maybe Mm -hmm. if you do this step, it'll help you. If you do this step, it'll help you. What would you coach with that? Yeah. Fun fact. My dissertation is on improving leadership for a remote multi-generational workforce. And I did that because there's this new generation that's coming in and there's just this huge shift in how we work and what's deemed acceptable or less acceptable than it was 20, 30 years ago. Even 10 years ago when I started really being into my career and getting that MBA done and doing everything, it's just different. And so With that, I would tell these new leaders, A, you have to know each person on your team because they are all their own person. They have their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own problems, their own weekends, whatever have you, it's there. And so being a holistic leader means you can't just shoot out emails and send out assignments. You you have to know the people who are reporting to you. Hmm. And Secondly, understand that stereotypes or statistics are there to help guide you and they're not 100% accurate. So I 
again, I'm writing a dissertation on the things each generation likes. And so our older workforce participants, they like that longevity. They like that loyalty. They have that kind of vibe and aspect where as you look at our Gen Zs have no loyalty. And quite frankly, some of them aren't even giving you two weeks notice if you've pissed them off. So it's completely different. So you have to understand that the statistics and stereotypes and however you want to call them exist for a reason, but they're not all inclusive. So you have to still refer back to step one and know each of your people. And does my employee Reina act more like a typical, what am I, Gen Y? <laughs> Gen Y, I know how old I am. Okay, I just admitted it. I'm a Gen Y. Does Reina act like that? Or does she actually fall a little bit closer on the other end of the spectrum? Do I have to care more about what she did on the weekend and give her positive feedback? Is that what drives her or not? Okay. That's so interesting. I'm Gen X and nobody even knows we exist. Nothing. No, yeah. I don't even know if there is a, a playbook for us. There, there is actually. Give me my instruction and leave me alone. Give me, but that's also, you run into middle child syndrome, yeah. right? Because you're right there at that point where you don't really need help and handholding. And so you're not my problem child. So I forget you exist. And yeah. so if if I was saying like looking at the numbers, like that is something that we actually need to spend more time focusing on is remembering that Gen X exists. And what do we do? Do Does your boss know how old are your parents? Is that something you need to start worrying about? Are they going to start needing more help and assistance or things like that? I need to pay attention to that because someone who's dealing with their parent in the hospital again is going to have a completely different Monday than someone who's coming in probably hungover. It's different. But if you know that, you can address it. And talking from a holistic perspective, you have to encourage them to do something besides work. Work is 40 hours a week until Mm. we pass that four-day work week, 32 hours. It's my vote. But you have to give them time to be other people. They're not on call for the most part. Again, if you're actually on call, if you're a doctor saving lives, You can be on call sometimes, but for the most part, you need to take that time to be someone. Who are you besides Raina, the training manager for a software company? Who are you? And so do you enjoy doing yoga and working out or do you enjoy your art or your games or whatever? I don't have to like everything. I don't have to even be able to talk about it, but it certainly helps if I'm willing to listen. No, you take the opinion I think I look at it and you got to coach me a little bit on this. The holistic approach also means being able to get your rest in and doing the hard things, but the easy things as well. I think you have, let me see if I can find it real quick. Life is hard. (laughs) Okay. But maybe you should try to be less hard on yourself. That falls in the holistic approach, do you think? I do because part of being holistic not only is helping other people be whole, But making sure you're working on yourself too. leave that time for yourself. The innovation happens in the white space. And that works for everyone in that circle of holistic leadership. I need you to have your downtime. I want to make sure you get your sleep. And I also need to do that for myself, too, because if I go out and take some downtime and learn more, I get another certification. I pick up a new professional skill that makes me happy. Me being in a happier space and and now a more knowledgeable space as a leader means I can help the other people around me. So Mm. I have to continue 
to improve myself. So that way I have more to offer for the people around me. And in the meantime, I'm also making myself look amazing. I've just collected yet another certification. I'm now I'm looking at a trip to Jamaica so I can go teach yoga in Jamaica for my next vacation. I'm not even kidding. That is something I'm doing because (laughs) I've learned a skill in an effort to be better for the people around me. I get to use the skills that I've invested in myself too. I have a follow-up question before. When you say what you're doing, getting the extra certifications and getting yourself ready, that's going to be a tremendous vacation, but you're going to work through that vacation. I have to ask, because there's a challenge. We talked about going from 40 to 32 hours, but we're going to work that extra eight hours anyway, or we're going to work the extra 12 hours anyway. I think that's mostly because we're not really taking care of ourselves. Would you agree or disagree? Or how do we balance that out? Yeah, I think going back to the words on the screen, life is hard enough. So try to be less hard on yourself. So maybe take that time to really dig deep and figure out why you feel compelled to do stuff. Why do you feel compelled to do the eight to 12 extra hours? Are you not feeling satisfied somewhere? Is there something we can do to address that? I know I go through phases where my brain gets bored and then I cause myself a ton of problems. A a bored brain Mm -hmm. is a problem for me. So I always have to find something that helps stimulate the brain. And then I do something after work. And again, I study. And so if I'm working on my homework for university and then end up down a rabbit hole, I've learned something and I've helped myself. But other people need to realize that for them, maybe their eight to 12 hours that they're going to free up, maybe that needs to be doing nothing because they're always that superhero and they're a mom or they're a working parent and they work full time. They have kids, multiple ages. They're trying to go back to school, what, whatever have you, even if you're just a normal person living life, sometimes that's overwhelming. And what you need to do to make it less hard is take time out of your day to sit and stare at a TV. If that makes you happier, read a book or visit a hobby that you gave up a million years ago. Can I ask a and or maybe not an opposing viewpoint. I actually, I agree with everything you're saying. And I agree with holistic leadership. I've been in those leadership roles and just had a natural tendency to really care for the people that I was entrusted to managing with. But I know you deal with all kinds of different leaders. So playing devil's advocate, what do you say to the leader that says, okay, now I have 50 employees. And now I have to be aware of them generationally. I have to be aware of them personally. I have to be aware of whether they're an introvert or not. How, what kind of time do they prefer? What do they want a flexible schedule? This person is struggling with some, this personal thing. What do you say to the leader that says, I can't intersect all these different ways to categorize someone for lack of a better word and do that 50 times? Of course. Thank you, Barb. That's a great That's a great thing to call out. And also remember that leaders come in all different shapes and sizes and experience levels too. Brand new leader can do is going to be way different than someone who's been holistically leading for 20, 30 years. It's different. And what I say to anyone who feels overwhelmed is take a deep breath first and then pick small pieces. So you can always work your way up to the big picture, but start somewhere that's something easy for you. So maybe your first baby step could be ask more questions. Ask the people who say hello to you in the morning. Ask them how their weekend was. Ask, just start somewhere. So maybe it's taking 
20 minutes in the morning on Monday and taking a lap and saying hello. Maybe it's that simple. It's something small. And if you're putting effort in, if you're trying, people can recognize that. And so you have 60 people on your team. You don't know how to analyze and assess what every single person needs. But if you take 20 minutes in Monday morning to say hello, I bet some of those 60 people are going to recognize that and say, oh, my leader took some interest in me today. And then maybe if something came up, they might swing by your office later and say, hey, you know how I mentioned X, Y, and Z this weekend? It's really bothering me. Or baby steps, start somewhere. That's great advice. Great advice. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. It really is. The bottom line is start small if you have to by saying good morning. It's good. Hey, I want to ask you, what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now to help leaders or to help people be better? What am I personally doing? Yeah. Are you writing? I know you're finishing up your doctorates, but are you writing any books? Are you leading any workshops, any classes or anything like that that uh, makes a difference? Yes. Yes. So I am really diving into that professional speaking world. So I am available to teach both holistic leadership and self-confidence and self-love creation, two lines. And I actually am in talks with a couple insurance companies from Cleveland, Ohio with <laughs> to come speak to their emerging leaders. So I can do in-person, I can do virtual. And really it's just, like I said, it's either that demonstration, presentation, really grab people and tell them it's okay. It's okay to want to be better. Or it's okay to need those baby steps. We will get there eventually, but we're going to get there together. I make the joke that I am professionally now creating an army of overly confident and kind people. And so I feel like, A, I do my workshops, I do my presentations, I do all that, but I also practice what I preach and I ask people how they're doing twice to make sure they have a chance to actually tell me how they're doing or I heard a coworker of mine express that she was a little sad that we didn't have water cooler talk anymore because we're fully remote. And so I made a little small group Slack chat and every Monday and Thursday, I just reach out to them and say, hello. I just do the little things that I can do. And in turn, I'm also teaching people to also do the little things that I do or find something that works for them. That's equivalent. That's brilliant. Don't you think Barb, the idea of a, Water cooler slack room. That's brilliant. It's great too, because think about the things that you don't know about your coworkers anymore. I work fully remotely. And so I know half of the people that I work with. And then the other half, I literally couldn't even Mm. name. And and I should say half of the operations team. I know nothing from the call center side. I wouldn't be able to pick a name out or a person out of a lineup. I wouldn't be able to put a face to the name. And back when I used to work at the insurance company, pre-COVID, we had 60 people in our office and I knew every single one of them and I knew everything about everyone because we would say hello in the hallway. Because of that too, you can see when someone comes in and they look a little slumped before before they're in a meeting and we lose some of that virtually. Remote work has a ton of wonderful benefits, but yeah, you do miss some of those personal nuances when you can see someone in the same room. Yep, which is why we have to ask now as a holistic remote leader, it's my job to have enough conversations and have enough open space and open air time where I can see you or I can build that relationship. 
Like my boss, my boss right now is fantastic. And we have, we have one-on-ones every other week for one hour. So I have two hours of designated time with him, but whenever I need him, I can just reach out and slack him and he's available for me. Or if I have a great idea, I can just say, Hey, do you have five minutes? And there has never been a time where he's told me no. So we might be remote working, but we've built up enough time and we've built up enough communication that he can reach out to me and I can reach out to him, even if it's not on the calendar. Right. A lot of great ways for people to be effective in today's workplace that you shared with us today. I so appreciate it. I've learned. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned a lot. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so awesome. Rena, what is it that you wish that we would have asked you, but we didn't? Oh, that's a tough one. Here. I guess none of us defined holistic leadership. I think we talked about it and we have, we've talked about tons of the concepts, but I don't think we actually said in my connotation of the word, what do I think holistic leadership is? Good question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Feel free well, to answer it. That's yeah. a great way to close this out. <laughs> Perfect. Just calling that out too. The connotation versus denotation. Everything has a, de- a definition in the dictionary, that denotation, but connotations are when we have our own subjective idea of a definition. What does that mean to me? And so for me, holistic leadership is leadership where you take into account a person's well being, mind, body, and spirit, and making sure they're okay on a personal level before you ask them to go above and beyond. So you can take time to really know the people around you understand who they are, and then take advantage of all the great things that they have to offer, like their professional superpowers or just their absolute wonderful ability to create miracles or just be there. You Mm. just have to treat people like people and be kind to yourself too, because you're also one of the people. Yeah. Important closing point. Absolutely. 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 Fantastic. Yeah, very. There's a lot of good things that we're going to debrief on real quick. But I got to tell you, I thank you very much for taking the time. You're super busy. I know that, but you're busy in the right ways. You're busy reaching out and connecting with people. So I thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. You know, thank you too. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here and just discuss my thoughts and get your opinions on them. Barb, I love a devil's advocate every time. It's like, yes, because it it helps me learn. If you can avoid your thinking your way is the only way, you get a lot more out of it. So this is absolutely fantastic. And I think it was a great use of all of our times. Yeah. I agree. Hang in our green room for a minute. We'll close out and be right back to you. So just stay in the green room with us. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. It's hard to play the devil's advocate sometimes when people are coming to the point. Yes. yes. It's really hard. We want to, but it's hard to do that. It was really more of me reaching back into my experiences of being on the receiving end. Of yeah. What do you mean we need to be more balanced? And it's Especially when you work for publicly held companies, shareholder value drives everything. So having a shorter work week or taking time for what they see are soft skills. It, there was a time and place where I just had a lot of resistance to things like that. Yeah. I believe wholeheartedly in treating people the, the exact way Raina described. I just know that not everybody does. And just as she brings her message and her training to know that there, there are audiences that will have resistance to that. And I think that was a benefit of the pandemic of helping us see 
a little bit into more of each other's personal world and then making just the appropriate accommodations for us to be human. That was a benefit. Actually, I think there's a lot of benefit. For me, it was the issue of timing, but there's a lot of benefit that took place during the pandemic that we haven't fully integrated the lessons learned yet. Oh. I mean, just her lesson of, okay, we got a slack room that kind of replaces the water cooler. Listen, she didn't put it that way, but that's what I thought of right away. The yeah. slack room that replaces the water cooler room. And let's all go there and chat for 30 minutes on Monday and Thursday. Just catch up. I think that was very a lesson that we're not all quite there yet. We do have some people going back to work. So are you making the laps? Like she said, are you making the lap and saying good morning to everybody? You couldn't, I think she reminded me of the lesson that I can hear how someone says good morning and know what I need to go back to that person or not and ask me, hey, what's going on? Yeah. Because you can sense something's there. The one thing that I would say that I wish we could have had more time to explore this idea of responsibility. We, I don't. I think we misteach people 100% responsibility idea that you got to be 100% responsible. I think what she said though was very brilliant. Trauma is going to happen. How you react to it. I think that's just a big lesson. Do you see more of, because I have people in my world who that is their business. They do trauma care, trauma healing years after an event has taken place. Yeah. Do you see a place for that in the professional realm or that's a workplace resource or is that? Yeah. I think it could be a workplace resource if the leader realizes that my reaction is what counts. No. Okay. Yeah. It'd be hard. To, that's more of a mindset. Yeah. And I think you need skills and techniques to make that mindset work where people understand that, yeah, that happened, but we're moving on. Mm -hmm. Well, that happened. I'm not discounting your feelings for it. We need to move on. Yeah. So I think that's one of those things that requires personal responsibility. If I'm going to be a leader, I got to understand that person just quit on me without notice. How do I respond? It's tricky. It it's is. a tricky field. The other thing I found tricky because it hit something in me was when she said holistic being body, mind, and spirit. Yes. The spiritual part of that, that seems a little bit of a sticky wicket. And I really would like to get into a discussion with her about that because if my spiritual beliefs don't match up with your spiritual belief, if I don't believe this or that you believe this, how do we get there without creating HR conflict? That Yeah, that actually would be a really good follow-up discussion. I, I always approach that even just with my own clients with different belief systems. It's not necessarily having an aligned particular belief, but what is it that you believe in that's bigger than yourself? Not just think, being in your own head all the time, but it's gut reaction too. Like what in your soul or in your spirit, whatever that is for you, are you feeling... Like something's a little off or I'm not completely fulfilled or like there, there's some of it that's a little more intuitive than it is the thinking self and even the physical self. So it might not have to be a spiritual belief system that has a certain name to it, but yeah. how does that, yeah, how does that show up at work? That's the power of speaking with a thought leader. They make, yeah. you think. <laughs> they make you think it makes you, makes, makes things challenge just a little bit for you. So that's the power of that. Barb, we got another one. Another great one. Yes. We're going to have a hard time improving upon and getting the next one great as, this, as they have been so far. But we got a high standards to live up to a lot of great information in that. Yeah. It was, it was a great talk with Raina. I hope we see her again. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. 
All right, we will close out and... Thank you for connecting with us here at Touchstone Publishers. Please join our group Essential Leadership Skills and share your leadership knowledge with us all.